sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. This is Tracy Sandler, and you are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll, and we have a lot to talk about. We share our thoughts on college football, Ramon Laureano, and again, we share our support of sports in a bubble. Then we're off to Dillon, Texas, to talk about upping the ante on Friday Night Lights as the Panthers prepare for their first playoff game. Clear eyes and full hearts, fangirls. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And don't forget to subscribe to Fangirl Playbook wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Steph, before we get to Friday Night Lights, Upping the Ante, which is a very uh, aptly named episode because there's a lot of upping the ante on this particular episode. Before we get there, let's take a look. It's what what is happening in the world of sports, I think. Of course, the biggest story looking like, will there be any college football? Looks like the Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to say no dice, or have said no dice. Uh, And then it's a matter of who will play college football. The players want to unionize. You're more of an expert on unionizing and the like. So I'm going to let you take over right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, You know, there's been talk based on whether or not college athletes should get sort of any sort of compensation besides the tuition. And that's mm-hmm. been discussed for, you know, a good decade now. But, you know, and they want to be able to earn like or be have sponsorships or, you know, outside because, you know, they are a brand. They're a huge business. So these college as- athletes aren't, you know, definitely want to unionize. But Obviously, the NCAA doesn't want them to because they would have to become employees, and that takes on a whole nother set of liabilities. So it's going to be interesting how this goes, but who wants to go and risk their lives if they're not even getting paid for it? So that's kind of like, okay, is this, you know, and how do you make them? So even though athletes want to play, it's really dicey when it comes down to this. And I think COVID's just basically exposed all the problems with college football. It really has. It's brought everything that has, like you said, been talked about for so long here to the forefront. And will we see changes being made? Will we see any college football season? Right now, two conferences are trying to play, correct? Right. At least the SEC and the ACC. Um, and, and it could go further. But, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are on the other side of the issue. So it's really interesting because it's it's almost like it's it's split right down the middle of who you know who wants to play all the athletes want to play but it's as far as covid they they want certain protections and and i i get that you know i i understand so um and it, but then it then it begs the question well how do you how do you unionize if you're not an employee so it's it, it's really dicey there 
it is really dicey. And then there are also so many ramifications. If there is no college football season, what does that do to the draft? What does it do to these players and their eligibility? I mean, there are so many things that go into play here. So we will be watching this very, very closely. I will just say that my heart breaks for these players because they work so hard and they have a finite amount of time. And for those who are going to go pro, they have a finite amount of time to show their ability and their talent. And for those that aren't going to go pro, and we're talking about all sports here, not just football, obviously, you know, the big talk right now is college football, but just in generally in sports for those that don't go pro. um, But of course, specifically with college football, this is their time to play. And then this is it. So it's just really heartbreaking for these kids. And as we talk a lot about on the show, we forget they're kids. And yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really it's a really hard thing. So we'll obviously be watching this story very, very closely. The NFL season is set to kick off, pun intended, in now less than a month. So we'll be watching that very closely, you know, to see how things were going. Um, over in baseball, the Houston Astros are just getting into it with everybody. See, this yeah. is what happens when you don't punish a baseball team. It's not just you guys. It's not just me. Clearly, there are a lot of people in Major League Baseball that are very upset that those cheating Astros really were not truly punished. So they got into it the other day with the A's. Um, we had an A's pitcher, uh, Loriano charge. I'm sorry, an A's hitter, hitter. right? Charge, yeah. Hitter charged the Astros. Dug out the Astros coach behaved. It was what is it? Was it their first base coach stuff? Yeah, first base. Yes, just behaved terribly. Uh, zero, zero leadership. And there was a benches clearing brawl. Um, and I don't mean to sound like I'm laughing because it certainly is not funny. And I think actually benches clearing brawls uh, in any sport are really unnecessary. But in under the circumstances, people are pissed. And they've had it. And, you know, it's ridiculous. Now, Loriano did say my most favorite quote, probably of the year, maybe ever yesterday, ever yesterday, saying that he regretted charging him because he's a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you think I'm laughing now, I am. I'm not going to actually. Great quote. Yeah, it It was a fantastic quote. It was just crazy because I think when you, um, you know, look at everything taken together. And it's just such a bizarre thing. Like he had been hit twice in that game. They had been hit Mm -hmm. three times total. And it's like, dude, you know, like, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you did it on purpose. Nobody wants to get hit three times, you know, like nobody, that's an issue for baseball. So there's going to be some jawing there. Now he was like, okay, okay. I'm walking down the line, you know? And then it was just so bizarre that, the coach is like yelling out, you know, like, Oh, come, come and get me. And then he hides behind his players. Like, I just thought that was so immature and like, and weird, like, but he's one of the people that I guess were part was part and involved in that whole cheating scheme. And it's like, I think that's what bugs the players most is that it's this cockiness that they have, that they can do no wrong. They're going to not be punished. They can do whatever they want. And you know what? The league's pretty much let them. The league has totally let them. And it's just not surprising because this Astros organization, I mean, they're just kind of disgraceful for lack of a better term. And it's not just the cheating. 
lest we forget the whole thing with the reporter in the locker room. Um, and I know we've talked before on the show. Um, and so we don't have to get super into it, but you know, we're, I'm so glad we got Osuna look, the former assistant GM saying that looking at the three female reporters, one of whom who had every time Osuna pitched tweeted out the number for a domestic violence hotline, just, and then they lied about it and tried to disgrace and discredit the reporter. And they had to apologize because there were many people in the locker room that were there and saw the whole thing. And you're just seeing a pattern of behavior and that coach literally hid behind his players. It was the most cowardly thing. He 100% was yelling at Loriano. And then you could watch the video, literally hid behind his players. It is immature. And you're right. They are behaving as if they can do whatever they want. And I think people are sick of it, mainly the players on other teams. So I don't blame them for what happened. Um, I hope I'm sure there will be suspensions, but I hope that they're on both sides here and that everybody gets, you know, a, a fair suspension. And it's not just uh, Loriano with the quote of the year. Um, but it just was ridiculous. Also, how about them A's? All of a sudden the A's are real good. Well, real good they, very good <laughs> baseball team. I mean, it was, it was kind of a bummer to see them lose, but you know, Mike Trout's going to Mike Trout in a, yeah. I, but it was, it's great to have sports back again in this way, you know, like it's great. Yes. So, but yeah, they're doing really well. Um, of course the Yankees are doing well and you know, you have the, and the Dodgers boo. <laughs> well, but, you know, but the Dodgers, it's interesting. So they lost to the Padres last night who are a little bit of a surprise in the national league. Uh, the Padres have been playing really well. And the thing with the Dodgers is Yes, they're they're definitely in the hunt and they're in the fight and they're playing well, but their bats, of which they have a lot of power on those bats, have not been hitting well. They have a number of guys in that lineup that are hitting in the 100s, the high 100s, but the 100s right now. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, they got to get it together because it's not a 162-game season. It's a 60-game season. And other than the St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals, we're moving right along in the season and they really can't afford to have another week or so of not being able to produce hits. I mean, I will say they are in postseason form, leaving runners on base, like nobody's <laughs> business. I've, I mean, I've never in my life in like, and I've grown up as a Dodgers fan, I've never seen a team and maybe it's because I've grown up as a Dodgers fan and a Braves fan, but the Braves, I don't think they didn't seem to have the same problem. The Dodgers love leaving men on base. They love it. They yeah. have to love it because otherwise there's no good reason for them to do it. And Kershaw didn't have a great outing either. And uh, that was interesting too. So maybe they are in postseason form. I had to dig you there. Yeah, they I mean, <laughs> so he, had a great, he had a great first outing. He did, of course, I knew you were going to have to get that in and it's okay. I'll let it go. Um, he had a great <laughs> first outing. He did not have a great outing against the Giants. And it's actually so funny that you say that because when he had his bad outing against the Giants, I was like, oh. Of course, he's having a bad outing against the Giants, so I can hear all the Giants fans talk about Kershaw and all of that. Of all the teams he has a bad outing against, but he did not have a great outing. Um, and, you know, Cody Ballinger's struggling. He got a day off a little over a week ago. He came back, hit a home run, and he's getting like a hit, a game, but, you know, they're going to need to do better. But they're they're having some struggles. Some of the bats are starting to get hot, but they're going to have to really – get it together. Cause like I said, they just don't have this kind of time. 
Um, There was also a report when speaking of baseball that I thought was interesting last night from Jeff Passan of ESPN, and we'll see what happens, but that there potentially is discussion of having a bubble for the postseason for baseball. Well, that would be a great idea. I mean, we've seen now with the hockey in NHL and also the NBA that the bubbles work. They're they're mm-hmm. phenomenal. I mean, with zero testing. So even it just the more precautions you take, the likelier you're going to have a full on season. So I I think well, zero positive results. They had they do a lot of testing, but they've had zero positive results, and that's that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really, I mean, it's really incredible. And they do, the bubbles absolutely work. And in this time of pandemic, the bubbles may be the only thing that works uh, to get a full season. Of course, it all remains to be seen. Um, Major League Baseball has to get to the postseason for this said bubble, because uh, we've seen with the Cardinals, there was another outbreak. Uh, multiple games have been postponed. You know, all these postponements are also going to take a toll, obviously, not just on the team dealing with the outbreak, but on their opponents. Because if you're playing multiple double headers, seven innings or not, that's really hard on a pitching staff. Yeah, it's really hard. And then it's also, it's just not true to the game. I mean, at all, like it's, it's, do they really have that shot? You know, so I think that's where a lot right. of people are talking about this asterisk season. And, you know, it is it is what it is. We're not going to be able to change everything about it. But I, I can see why uh, some teams really feel like they've done nothing wrong and they just happen to be playing, a you know, a team that didn't take it seriously. And they they suffer the consequences. So it's and then you can't exactly just have them, you know, not play you know so it's it's gonna be interesting it's uh you know it's kind of a bummer but you know they're learning as they go and you know everything's just kind of we're you know playing as we go along here like everything's just winging it that's how it feels (laughs) I think it is very much winging it which goes back to the idea that the bubble is what works because in a bubble you can't wing it there was so much preparation there's so much that went into making that work And um, that's how you're not winging it. So we'll see what happens with that. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, the NFL season set to kick off less than a month. It was a month from yesterday, so less than a month from today. Um, And we'll see how they do and how far they go. Um, I've been talking to 49ers players over the last week. They seem to be taking it very seriously. They seem to understand that everyone needs to be accountable. It's being driven home by the coaching staff. Um, but you know, football is, is different. You have a lot more players and you have a lot more contact that being, of course, the big one once they start playing. Uh, so we will see what happens there. It's, you know, all eyes would be on the NFL from September 10th on, um, and we'll see, and we'll see what happens with baseball. If a couple more teams have breakouts, I don't know, or outbreaks, if you will, I don't know what will happen, but We'll see. So far, it's been the two. Meanwhile, the Marlins, who've had to basically sign players off the street to field a team, are <laughs> playing like gangbusters. season. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, but we have a lot to keep our eye on. Uh, we've been talking about COVID for several months, but that's because we are in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of one that is not going to weigh and going away and its effect on sports is huge, as we obviously know. So as Steph said earlier, it's great to have sports back and hopefully all of these leagues can figure out a way 
to stay back, but stay back safely uh, while protecting players and staffs and organizations and, and everyone in between. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure next week we'll have much more to discuss on all of these matters. Uh, but for now, Steph, let's head on back to Dillon, Texas. Yes. where we are on episode 14 of season one of Friday Night Lights, an episode, as I mentioned earlier, called Upping the Ante. Um, the ante is officially upped in Dillon, I would say. Uh, they're getting ready for their first playoff game. When we last left you, Jason Street had proposed to Lila. Uh-huh. When the season opens, Jason Street is at the Garrity's for a family barbecue, and he and Buddy... Well, Steph, they're still not really getting along all that great. No, no, not at all. And I and it's interesting because Jason's so like stoked about this um the wheelchair rugby and mm-hmm. and I get Garrity's like him wanting what's best for his daughter. Everybody wants that. But he can't just let it be. He has to be like, Well, that's a good hobby, you know? And so he has to knock everything Jason's doing and it starts a an issue. <laughs> It starts an issue, and then it gives Jason the feeling that he has to point out that he and Lila will be getting married, that they are engaged, which, of course, she had not brought up yet, which, by the way, smart move on her part up until now. Um, She had not brought up that yet, and then once it's brought up, that kind of ruins the barbecue. And then they have a very honest discussion, Jason and Lila, in the car, and he's ready, you know, tomorrow to get married. And she's basically saying, we're really young and I don't want to make a mistake. And he gets offended by that. And he thinks it's about his being paralyzed. And it's really not. I no. don't feel like Lila. It's about the fact that she's like 16 years old and she's in, and, high, and she's in high school <laughs> and she'd like to go to college. She says to him, you haven't said anything about college. And he makes a really interesting point. He says, um, I lost my legs, not my brain. Of course, I'm going to go to college. But he hasn't mentioned it before this. Uh, And, you know, Jason is a really smart guy. And Coach Taylor actually says something to Buddy much later in the episode. He says he's a great kid and he's a smart kid and he'll be successful in whatever he does, even though it's not going to be football. But even if that's true, again, she's 16. And I think at this point, Jason's 17 or 18. And so, you know, she's she's concerned about the idea of getting engaged at this point as much as she loves him and going ahead and getting married. So that's something they're dealing with. Uh, And then we have Smash uh, coming back, you know, from last week when he was found out uh, and what coach decided to do about him and the steroids and benching him. And so we see Smash, he's there early in the morning folding towels. Coach Taylor comes in early to be with him to check his uh, drug testing results, which are, you know, all coming back clean. Um, and Coach Taylor's really hard on him, smashes back at practice. But, you know, Coach is being really, really hard on him and Smash is feeling the pressure and understandably so hard on him. Uh, but we get a scene a little later in the show where he comes back from running. And I do love how Friday Night Lights at the time always – kind of the West Wing kind of used to do this too, uh, would give a nod to other NBC shows. So Smash comes back from running and his mom says, where have you been? It's almost time for Leno. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there are other times they're watching The Office. And so it was, I always kind of like that they did that. Um, Probably not a dumb move either. 
but it drives home how Smash has been out running for hours because he's training and training and training. Uh, and, you know, Tammy says to Coach Taylor, and I thought this was a really good scene. She said, you know, you're being almost too hard on him. You don't want to essentially take away what he loves about football. You don't want to get to a point where he like no longer wants to play. It's one thing to teach him a lesson, but if you're going to accept him back on the team, it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's kind of a similar idea to dating and romantic relationships. If, if one person behaves badly and the other party decides to take them back, you can't punish them forever. Right. You decided to take them back. So with smash, he has to teach him a lesson, but he can't punish him forever. And so there's a great scene. Coach, it's one of actually one of my favorite scenes in the show. And Coach Taylor goes to see Smash at home, and there are all these kids playing football. And Smash says to him, I know you don't like me, but I've given up on that. I can live with that. And Coach Taylor says, That's that's not the case. You know, I just I was disappointed in you. I was trying to teach you a lesson. But in the background of this, you have all these kids playing football, and Coach Taylor says to him, you know, I, sometimes we forget that it is a game and what we love about the game. And I think that's what ha- has happened here. And so it's a great scene. And then on game day, we see Smash running to Coach Taylor's office out of breath. He comes in. I'm sorry. I'm, I completely was on the other side of campus. And they let him know he is going to start that night. So there's that nice moment. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> and I think the point was driven home. Smash gets it. He's not going to take steroids again. <laughs> he he uh, he got the point. Um, so that was a big one. And this is one of those episodes, and there's more to discuss, but this is one of those episodes where the whole episode is about getting ready for the game, but we won't see the game until next week or until the next episode, um, right. which I kind of love how they do that. Yeah. I, they don't always just cram it all in. Uh, so also in this episode, we've got some big Tim Reagan storylines, which – you know, I love a good Tim Riggins storyline. So Tim uh, has to get, in order not to have his license suspended, he needs a signature from a parent or legal guardian. And Billy is neither. His brother Billy is neither. So he goes to see his dad. Before he goes to see his dad, Billy gives him a number of instructions. Do not drink with him because he's a mean drunk. Do not give him money. Do not fall for his thing, um, which of course Tim kind of, forgets all this. So he goes to see his dad, who is a golf instructor. And, you know, they sit and have some time together. He signs a thing for him. He tells Tim he's been sober for six weeks. And they kind of step, develop a little bit. You know, then, of course, in Friday Night Lights fashion, things go kind of wrong. But for a couple of days there, they develop a nice little rapport and relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of nice to see because this is the first time we see any kind of really father figure for Tim, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you kind of are pulling for that just, you know, as a as a person, you know, your heartstrings, because whatever has been done, you still think, well, maybe they can resolve it or maybe they can, you know, move forward and he could be a helpful, you know, figure in his life. But once you get to know that, that his dad a little bit, it it does go downhill pretty quick. <laughs> it does go downhill pretty quick. Uh, it all comes to a head when they play a golf match and his dad wins and he's going to take money from his son. Yeah. He does that. <laughs> and, and he's a jerk about it. Um, and 
there was an, there's something that happens with them earlier that I thought was kind of interesting. It's like not a huge thing, but I just noticed it. He is talking to Tim all about football and they go to a bowling alley. This is kind of an interesting point too. They go to a bowling alley and the waitress who comes to take their order tell like knows all about Tim because she, his dad's in a bowling league and she says he talks about him all the time. And she says, congratulations on making the playoffs. And she knows like how many touchdowns he's had for the season. And so he talks about him all the time. And I think obviously that's really endearing to Tim and makes him think maybe his dad has changed as his dad, who he's not seen in two years, um, maybe has changed. But later on, Tim and his dad are talking and they're talking about Jason. And Tim at this point has been there for several, several hours. They've like done all kinds of things together. And it isn't until then that his dad asks about Billy, who is his other son. Right. And I just thought that was interesting that it takes all that time. They talk about Jason and what happened to Jason. And then he asks about Billy and he says, you know, I feel bad. Billy saw things that you were too young to see. And Bill and Tim says, I was young. I was not blind. I saw all those same things. But I just thought that was kind of interesting that all that time had passed. And now he asks about his other child. Um, so that's interesting. But then at the end of the show, again, the end of the show had a lot. At the end of the show, Tim is running out. Smash gives the pregame speech and everybody's screaming, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose, which is my favorite. And uh, they're running out and Billy says, Tim, I need an extra ticket to the game. And he, ends, he needs an extra ticket because Tim's father did come to the game. Right. So now we see it's interesting. We see a lot of father-son relationships in this show which makes sense based on the subject matter. But uh, we do see quite a few father-son relationships in this show. And then, of course, quite a few father-figure-son relationships in the show. One of those being uh, Coach Taylor has to go to court, of course, for this lawsuit with the streets. Right. And even within all of that, he goes to talk to Jason about Lila, about getting married, how important it is, how important the sanctity of marriage is, what a big decision it is. And I thought, I don't know, it said a lot, Steph, but here they are in the middle of this lawsuit and he still was looking out for Jason's best interest. Yeah, 100%. And it just shows how he can get through to these kids even more than their own parents sometimes. Um, it's just, it's crazy that the relationship that they have. And, you know, it's neat. It's a it's a neat relationship. And then they have to go on opposite sides of the table because, they're, you know, he's being sued. So it's kind of interesting dynamic there. But you can tell that, Coach Taylor's still trying, you know, in his heart to do what's best for these kids, even though, it, you know, here they are in this middle of the lawsuit. So it's, it, it, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation, but, um, you know, he, he's got a lot of power. <laughs> yes. He does. He's got a lot of power. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things we see, especially in this episode in his dealings with Smash is Coach Taylor is not perfect either. He's a flawed human and he has their best interest at heart and, you know, he's doing what he thinks is right, but he's not perfect either. And he's angry at Smash because Smash, he says this to him, you put my reputation and my career and my family on the line too. Like all of, because really if anybody found out what happened and that coach Taylor didn't report it, he'd be in big, big trouble. But he made the decision that he thought was best for Smash. Um, And also if someone found out, someone may also say, I don't believe you didn't know what happened. And it does become a scandal for the coach because even if they believe it becomes like, well, what's worse that you didn't know he was taking steroids or that you did know. 
but you're his coach. You didn't know, you didn't see it. I mean, there's so many things that could happen there. So I think he's also angry at smash for putting him in that position. And so we see his, that behavior come out. But, you know, as we said, at the end of the day, all is well, that ends well, at least with that one. Um, <laughs> and then we have uh, good old Matt Saracen and uh, Julie Taylor. And this also is the beginning of Julie starting to develop a bit of a friendship with Tyra. So Julie and Matt are at dinner at the Applebee's and they're actually recording like a radio show at the Applebee's. I was like, wait, what are they doing? <laughs> But they are recording a sports radio show at the Applebee's and Julie and Taylor are there. Uh, Julie, sorry, Julie and Matt are there on a date and they, the people recording the show are like, Oh, we have QB one in the house, Matt Saracen. Will you come talk to us? So we ends up talking to him for a really, really long time uh, until he comes outside and Julie's been waiting there for a while. Um, and she's very understanding, but we see this is the beginning of what it's like to date QB one Steph. Right. And it's and it, it's kind of funny because Tyra's giving her advice because she's like, when you date a football player. So I don't know if it's the best advice she's getting there, but she's she's getting this advice that you kind of have to, you know, know, you know, basically, you know, go out and find somebody on the basketball team. And she's like, I, I don't even know anybody on the basketball team. So it's, like, it's like, she doesn't even know what she's doing here. It's all new territory, but she's like, you don't understand now that he's in it. You're dating a football player now. So there she's, she's trying to find her way in this whole thing. And obviously um, Matt likes her, but he's done some things that are like a little questionable when you have a girlfriend. So it's yes, uh, yes. When they're first leaving the Applebee's, Matt gets kidnapped by his fellow football players uh, for some sort of football initiation situation. So Tyra ends up giving Julie a ride home. So that's the beginning of that friendship. Then Julie begs her mother, begs, begs, begs her to go to a concert with Matt on a weeknight. She finally gives in, and then Matt has to cancel because he's actually going to be on the Eric Taylor show with Julie's dad. Um, so Julie's understanding about that. And they have this joke that she, it's really the first time he's called her his girlfriend, that she's the coolest, most understanding girlfriend. Um, but not only does, is he canceling on the concert, but Julie has to watch her grandma or watch Matt's grandma. <laughs> so Tyra comes with her to watch Matt's grandma. And that's where she gives her all this advice in front of Matt's grandma, which is kind of amazing. Um, and Lorraine is just incredible. So this is a great, you know, this, that whole thing is great. But then what happens is he gets kidnapped by the rally girls and there's this party and he's taking pictures in the pool with the rally girls and it's for their calendar. Um, and Julie sees the pictures and she talks to Matt and she says, what'd you do last night? And he lies. Right. And that's what upsets her. And let this be a lesson to us all friends. The <laughs> lie is always worse than whatever you did. Oh, always. Yeah. It sure. do not lie. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think he. I don't know what he was thinking because it's like she had to know, you know, and then it was going mm -hmm. to get out. But he, you know, he decided to lie, and you could tell that that's the, what really got under her skin, and rightly so. I mean, that's just like, you know, it, even if he had an excuse or whatever, just tell the truth, man. <laughs> just tell the truth. Tell the truth, because he really. It was not ideal, but he didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, like he, he, I would say he did something 
should he have been in the pool taking pictures with rally girls? Probably <laughs> not. But he didn't. He didn't really do anything wrong. Nothing happened with any of the rally girls that he was going to have with any of the rally girls. So he should have just been up front. And then you make a great point. Even if she hadn't seen it that day, she was going to see it. Like, <laughs> like she was never. I mean, everyone in that town sees everything. So she was going to see it. So she's really upset and she's crying and he's upset. And I think he just got scared and froze because again, talking about when we were started at the beginning of this, talking about college players and their kids. Well, Matt also is a kid and it's new territory for him too, being QB one and having a girlfriend and having all these attention, people. Yeah. Care. yeah. This attention people care. So this is new territory for him too. Um, so we really see that. So when the episode ends, though, is the beginning of their first playoff game. And so it'll be the next episode that we will see the results of said playoff game. And, you know, we're moving right along, Steph. We have about, I, I think we have seven more episodes left in the season. Um, so we'll see what happens and see if next week, maybe we'll start, maybe we'll talk about two of them next week. We'll see. Well, we'll have to see what's going on in the world of sports. Right. That, is the big, <laughs> that is always the big thing on how many episodes we can talk about. Uh, but for sure, we'll be talking about episode 15 next week. Um, should we do a quick little fangirl says who's hot, who's not? We have not done that in a while. Sure. Go. You can go first. Let me think about. OK, can we do it. Sports or Friday Night Lights? Yeah, I think either one. Okay, let's. I'm going to say either one too. Um, all right, fangirl says who's hot, who's not. I am actually. Well, I'm going to pick my who's not, and it's going to surprise no one. But I, every time I have an opportunity, I'm going to do it. The Houston Astros are once again not hot, so I'm going to go ahead and say that. Especially their coach, who was part of the cheating scandal and taunted a player and then hid behind his players. That is really, really not hot. So that's the number one thing I'm going to do there. Uh, for my fangirl says who's hot. I got to give it to Loriano with the quote um, that I regret charging him because he's a loser. I don't think it was hot that he charged him, but I think that quote was pretty damn hot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's good. I think that that's totally fair. Um, I'm going to definitely say I'm going to say the NCAA is not hot. And the reason is that they've had six months from March to now to figure this out and they've done nothing. So I think it's um, not hot that they put all these kids, not just, not just their education and their college lives, but their future endeavors, you know, at play here. I just think that this could have been handled so much differently. And it's just really a shame because you can't ignore things forever. And that's, I think what happened here that they thought it would just go away and it didn't. And so it's just, it, it sucks for the kids and they're not hot. <laughs> yeah. um, who is hot? You know, I, I last night, I don't know if you're, I'll just touch on the Lakers a little bit, but yes. uh, Kyle Kuzma hit the game winning shot last night yes. and it was a big, big win for them. So they needed that. And it really showed that he could step up um, next to the likes of AD and Braun. And I, I thought he, he was hot last night. So I'm going to go with him. I thought that was hot. I thought it was not hot that he said he would take the shot of Jesus standing in front of him. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll save that laughed. one for another day. I laughed. <laughs> I, laughed too. I actually did laugh too. I thought that was actually pretty um, All right, guys. We will talk to you next week. Steph, thank you for joining me as always. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, all. Bye-bye.